I'm not so much concerned about how our players are performing on the field, practice or game. I'm more concerned with uh, how they feel about how they're performing. So when I played with John Elway, he was uh, sitting in the back of the bus, in the back of the plane, kind of joking with the linemen and like defensive players. That's Lamar Jackson. I had a rookie on the first day ask me after our first day's meeting here, are we going to be here every day? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome into the lounge. Garrett is finally back. And true to form, you are looking a little more uh, portly. Well, let me tell you, you left. The, this, the diet of cheese, wine, pastries, uh, baguette or two a day, um, chocolate mousse. Uh-huh. Uh, basically, that was just a rotation beer? of that. Was there any beer? There was, beer there was beer in there, uh, a lot of red meat. I ate this incredible meal our last night. I went to Amsterdam and then France, and I ate this incredible meal my last night. It was lamb shoulder. It was fantastic. Nice. It was awesome. But it, you're correct. I'm I'm definitely <laughs> packing on the LBs. It's bulking season. It's 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 supposedly not. It's supposed to be bathing suit season coming up here, but I'm gonna have to put that in a hole for a while. <laughs> anyway, it's good to have Garrett back, and uh, good to be back in the lounge. You know, it wasn't the same. Uh, Running the, the Terrell Suggs answering questions that you know it's not the same. Yeah. So today we're going to welcome in Harry Swain, who is the Ravens' director of player engagement. And I know what you're all thinking. We promised you Ozzie Newsom. Okay. <laughs> we promised Ozzy. Yeah, you know, I, we're still going to make that happen. It's that's going to happen. That's going to definitely happen. But it's on. It's delayed right now. Yeah, and Harry's a guy that we've wanted to get on the lounge for a little while because he has a unique perspective. His role, which we'll get into in the interview with him, is is he basically takes these rookies and really any player and helps them transition into life as an NFL player. Yeah. And so he's got That's what he's doing pers- right now. Yeah, his focus right now is on the rookies, and he's got a really unique perspective that I hope you guys enjoy. Yeah, anyway, before we get to that, we do have one email. As always, you can reach us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. Uh, this one comes from Johnny in Perry Hall, Maryland, and he said, uh, Hey, mate, good job subbing for Garrett recently. You're welcome. Wow. Thank you. Um, And he said, you know, I'd forgotten all about the Tim White kid. Yeah. I was happy to read the Tim White story I wrote. And he said, so glad to to hear he's back. We need a returner so badly. Uh, A missing part of the Ravens attack for a while. Having a DB or another non-specialist return kicks is giving away opportunities. And it can be a huge momentum swinger. Do the Ravens have room to keep Tim White just for his return abilities? And who will be his competition? Well, I think that any player who wins the returner job, the Ravens would prefer that he also does something else. They don't want just a returner. And Tim White is certainly in that category. You know, Michael Campanero was a guy last year, and he also played on offense. The Ravens... Unless you are dynamic, truly dynamic, yeah. Jacoby Jones. Oh, you have to. You have to contribute in other Jacoby ways. Jacoby Jones even contributed. I mean, he contributed as a wide receiver. He did. He did. Later in his his, his first year, he definitely did. But later on in his time, he was really more focused as, as – Well, once he got some of the yips with the hands yeah, yeah. situation, then they turned him more into just a returner. But, but my point is, even for a guy that's truly dynamic, he had to contribute as a wide receiver. And so is Tim White going to be on this team solely as a returner? No, I think he's going to have to do more than that. But here's the interesting thing. 
it's tough for me to see how Tim White fits. Just looking at, like you're saying, he has to win a job also as a receiver, right? So if he's the starting returner, he's also taking a spot up at in the receiver position, okay? Yeah. So I, I, it's hard to imagine the Ravens keep more than six. Yeah. All right, let's go through the list here. We have Crabtree, John Brown, and Sneed, all shoe-ins, obviously. Chris Moore, for special teams talent, I have to think makes it as a fourth. And, mm-hmm. you know, he offers something in receiver. He showed that last year. He uh, started to make some more plays. Now you have two rookies, Jaleel Scott, a yep. fourth-round pick, and Jordan Lastly, a fifth-round pick. Are you saying those guys are going to make the team? Right. They're not going to put them on waivers trying to get them on the practice squad. They won't make it. Yeah. Right? So that's six. Yeah. Right there. Where's Tim White fit in? Yeah, it's it's a fair question. Um, it, but who's your returner? That, that, exactly. That's what I'm saying. It's really tough. I mean, do they have to keep seven this year? I mean, obviously injuries can happen. Chris Moore. Right. You know, are they more apt to keep Jaleel Scott if, or, or lastly, if they show a little bit more in camp than Chris Moore, who you've, got, you've seen what he is now at two years. And by the but way, Chris Moore can return kicks. Yeah. So if you're looking for a kick returner, he could do that. And, and by the way, on these numbers, Brashad Perryman's not on that on the team in this situation. <laughs> exactly. Right. right. And I didn't even mention Brashad Perryman. Right. Who, which is a whole other if, discussion. If he just balls out this right. summer, how do you not keep Brashad Perryman? If he, if he balls out, yeah. I mean, the talent's there. So yeah. really interesting. I, th- I think Tim White's an interesting case this offseason. But uh, with all that said, why don't we get into our interview with Harry Swain? Well, we are happy to be joined by Harry Swain, the Ravens' director of player engagement. And a three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion. Where's the rings, Harry? Yeah, Harry. Uh, you on, don't man. wear them around on a daily basis? You keep yeah. those locked up? Safe in my sock drawer. <laughs> well, now <laughs> we know safe. where they are. Now yeah. they're not so yeah. safe. <laughs> <laughs> the sock drawer. Careful in that drawer. <laughs> Harry uh, played for the Ravens for two years, 1999 and 2000. Mm-hmm. Long career as an offensive tackle. And now... He's on the other side of things. Mm-hmm. Now working with players to help, uh, especially the rookies at this time of year, help them yep. adjust to life in the NFL. So, Harry, just starting off, can you just kind of set the scene for fans as to what you're doing right now with mm-hmm. the rookies? Yes, I'm like uh, the superhero HR guy. <laughs> <laughs> okay. For Is football. that what it says on your business card? <laughs> yeah, totally. I'm putting it on there. Superhero <laughs> HR guy for uh, football players. Uh, and it is superhero talent needed. Uh, helping a young guy uh, coming to his first job, uh, get shocked by this FICA person on his pay stub. <laughs> <laughs> and also uh, just help him become a professional. I mean, it'd be a tough transition whether they're playing pro ball or not. Uh, but yeah, when you leave college and you go to work, it's like a whole new world. And then we ramp it up because this is professional football and they get all our scrutiny. Mm-hmm. So that's hence the uh, superhero abilities needed for human resources. <laughs> yes. so, so when you're playing football in your career and, and it's coming to a close, you're probably thinking about what's next mm-hmm. and what that's going to look like. Was this role something that existed at that time? Is this something that you thought, okay, I can move into this spot? How did that all unfold? Yeah, so the whole position was collectively bargained, believe it or not. Okay. Mm. So I can remember sitting in uh, union meetings when there wasn't uh, labor peace. And this was one of the things that the players wanted. They wanted somebody in the building uh, 
who could speak on their behalf paid by the owner mm. and uh, like an impartial uh, advocate uh, for the player's concerns. Okay. Every employee has that in their own classic HR person. Like my HR just happens to be, uh, I got to know league policy and union policy, but yeah, that's how the uh, position started. It did not exist uh, until my last year in the league, really. Mm -hmm. And teams were slow to uh, employ that person, but yeah, it's worked out great. Nice. And and for you, what has been, you know, obviously I think it's beneficial that you play the game for as long as you did and had, had as much success as you did. Mm -hmm. How has that transition been for you moving from, because I know that you work on rookies. Okay, so you're now a rookie. You make the transition to the NFL. you mm -hmm. got to worry about having a paycheck and setting up these accounts, all this stuff. Mm -hmm. You also, as guys are playing, coach them on transition out of the NFL mm -hmm. during the careers too. Yep. How, are you basically taking the lessons that you learned you know, and mm -hmm. saying, this is my experience? Mm -hmm. Yep, lessons I learned in uh, a lot of the research I've done. I just finished my uh, master's in counseling. Uh, and that's been really helpful. It's kind of like, I don't know what I was thinking about being a business major as my undergrad, but uh, a lot of uh, human services, like uh, the stuff that humans go through, like birth, death, life, taxes, religion, uh, relationships. Uh, I use all that in uh, my experiences in the league, uh, huge. Uh, and since I'm getting to know older, I really benefit from my assistant, Jamil McLean. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's been phenomenal, uh, filling in the gaps for uh, all the millennial stuff that I do not know about. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, uh, we've worked well together as a team, and well, him being a former like, player, like too, is great. Like Snapchat? You want Snapchat, Harry? Well, it is kind of cool for us, you know, seeing Jamil. He was somebody that we covered, mm -hmm. you know, when we worked here. Now yep. he's in this role. It's it's neat to see him make that transition too. Mm -hmm. What what are what do you find is is kind of the toughest leap for rookies when mm -hmm. they first come in? What is the the most difficult part? Yeah, probably uh, the approach to work. Mm. So, although football is a game, it is a game mm -hmm. and it's fun. Uh, the business of football can kind of take the sting out of the fun. It can take the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes uh, they haven't just had, they had not had any practice of that. Right. Uh, right. And it's a big part of being able to play football is dealing with uh, the business of football, contracts, rules, uh, fines, uh, policy, being able to deal with that uh, and not allow that to hamper your performance on the field. You gotta separate the two. How, how much time do you spend educating about money? Because that is, I gotta believe, for rookies in particular, mm -hmm. a huge learning curve. All mm -hmm. of a sudden you're making hundreds of thousands, millions for some of these guys. Mm -hmm. And watching Uncle Sam take a bunch of it. Yeah, mm -hmm. all that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I sneakily uh, talk about money more than anything else. Okay. And I can't, of course I can't have the title of a meeting called uh, financial management, they're going to sleep as soon as they see it on the board. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to be really creative uh, with that one and uh, bring in new faces. Uh, just talk about it in terms of desires, uh, you know, the psychology of it, like sudden wealth syndrome, uh, videos, music, I mean, everything. Uh, like the latest rap song that mentions money and some of the good principles in bad. I mean, I talk about money more than anything else. Uh, a distant second would be relationships. 
but money mostly, everything else. Like this year will be the first year uh, that the league's second and third year player uh, financial series will start. So all second and third year players uh, starting uh, this second week of June, uh, first week in June actually will be uh, in two meetings, mandatory. Mandatory. This off season, yep, and the other six mandatory during the regular season. Interesting. So, yeah. do, you, so you, do you go in front of them and the first thing you say is, don't buy the Maserati? Right, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, like, obviously these guys, you know, it's okay to spoil yourself a little bit. You just had a great career achievement. Yeah. You know, I mean, getting drafted or whatever, make it to the NFL. Probably not the undrafted guys. You, those guys should be getting yeah. the Honda. Fit. Yeah, I don't think they're getting the Maserati. Yeah. Right. But, like, you know, it's an achievement. And yeah. you, you want to pamper yourself a little bit, but how do you kind of draw that line? Yeah, that's a tough one because, like, uh, at first, three picks, you know, I'm usually on them quickly about that. Because if there's something a young 20-something-year-old's going to buy, it's going to be a car. <laughs> He's been dreaming about that car since he was a sophomore, junior in college. So he's already, he's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he's already spent the money. Yeah. <laughs> and so sometimes I'm not able to get to him ahead of time, but at least I'm able to plant a seed that, uh, you know, we can facilitate you getting a fair deal on a car. And uh, so it works. We bring in guys, get them ahead of time. That's one of the first things I get in front of them because, you know, that can start a snowball of purchases. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It will, and I'm curious, Hayden, so mm-hmm. he's not your usual rookie. Right. He, yeah. He's an older guy being yes. there with the baseball path. So mm-hmm. is it, has your experiences with him been a little bit different? Yeah, I think uh, it's a reminder to him. Baseball doesn't have kind of this in-your-face player engagement program specifically around the life skill of a new pro athlete. So he's made some of the mistakes already, (laughs) uh, which helps. Uh, They get signing bonuses too. Mm -hmm. And heck, he got his. He was 17 years old. He was 18 years old and got a $400,000 signing bonus from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, so... That's pretty sweet. That's, that's a lot of money for an 18 year old. That's a lot of money for I can't imagine yet. what I would have done at 18 with that. Yeah. So, yeah, he's got he's got another muscle that they don't have, uh, and it's called resolve. <laughs> 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 I've resolved myself not to make some of those rookie mistakes anymore. Yeah. I'm curious how you've seen uh, rookies change mm-hmm. over the course of you. Have you seen, is, is a rookie coming in now different than when you first started this? Oh, um, no, I don't think so. They're different in between the end of their rookie year and when they get back here to start their second. The spike in growth is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Like if they can get through, the, this would be their first legitimate off season where they've had nothing to do, it's all on them. Uh, if they come back and you can see the growth then I know that they got a nice little level of what I call self-discipline not the kind we give them, which is imposed discipline. (laughs) 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 So yeah, uh, but yeah, basically the new rookies are just like rookies were when I was a rookie back in 1987. Mm -hmm. Young, dumb, and inexperienced. (laughs) (laughs) It was so blissful though, not to know what I needed to know. I heard you say to them something along the lines of, like, your rookie year is the most difficult year you'll ever have in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? More? Yeah. They got, they got more changes than anybody in the building. You know, we take them away from the program that they were just got familiar with for three years. 
We take them away from their family, friends. We bring them to uh, a state that they know nothing about. They didn't even know Maryland was on the East Coast. <laughs> 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 and uh, then we uh, shove them into our program and we dump uh, like a bunch of plays on them at one time, knowing they can't decipher all that information just to see how they fail. And uh, then we try to build them back up <coughs> as they're failing. <laughs> so we like to beat the U out of you, but, uh, <laughs> but our process is much more difficult. However, having gone through it, the toughest year you'll ever have in the NFL, they will have, uh, they'll know some stuff about their capacity. Uh, they'll certainly know some stuff about what they can and cannot do. Uh, but they also have, will have been like chiseled in a way into this uh, professional football player who has like a nice little level of uh, resolve and uh, strength, inner strength that they didn't even know they had. I'm curious how much time you spend on the football side of things mm -hmm. because obviously you focus more as you're talking about the money, finances, mm -hmm. relationships, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. But then there's the football side. You're not a coach. You're mm -hmm. on the field during practice. Mm -hmm. You're almost kind of a liaison between the players and the coaching staff. Mm -hmm. You're advocating for them when they're dealing with any you know difficulty on, from the coaching standpoint. Yep. Like how do you work through that dynamic? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, my so that sweet spot there for me is I'm not so much concerned about how our players are performing on the field, practice or game. I'm more concerned with uh, how they feel about how they're performing, how they're thinking about uh, their play, whether it's a really good play or, or a really bad play. Like, uh, I'm always concerned about how they're thinking. Uh, so in the NFL, you could easily say, you we got a bunch of type A guys that have uh, egos, right? And some of those egos can get uh, dented if they drop a pass or miss a tackle, right? How dented, I'm concerned about how dented they get whether or not they can uh, recover quick enough because there's another play coming up in another series or another period. And if they're still recovering from that, uh, I know that they need some help processing through uh, some of the stuff that's happening to them. Because it's probably, if a, uh, especially if a high draft pick drops a few balls, I'm thinking of uh, Hayden Hurst now, uh, his first practice, mm -hmm. I just got to make sure that he's okay mentally with that. So I actually... Uh, Tell them, hey, make every new mistake that you can think of. <laughs> like, make it, make it as soon as you can, get over it, move on. You're the only guys in the building that can make those mistakes. Yeah. It's the best part about being a rookie. I didn't know. <laughs> <laughs> How much do they uh, spend time talking about guys like us, like mm -hmm. media guys? You know, How much do these guys... They read something mm -hmm. and they come to you and I can't believe someone so and so wrote yeah. this about me. Or Usually whatever. it's what Ryan Mink wrote. <laughs> Never <laughs> about us specifically. No. I'm saying media types. <laughs> yeah, they all they always find out quickly who the uh, critical uh, media types are. Mm -hmm. Those guys always stand out. And but other than that, no, they know because we put you guys in front of them as soon as possible. They know who's on our team, right. who's for us. Uh, so they can easily uh, delineate between who's not for us. So they would only spend time on who to watch out for, <laughs> right. right? So they may know of you enough to know that, okay, that's Garrett Downing and Ryan Mink. 
they're safe. You go in the safe folder. So you're good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of the things that we do every year is a presentation to the rookies is for the listeners mm -hmm. about social media. Yeah. Um, and that is something, obviously, you didn't have to deal with as a player, but uh -uh. we get up and we kind of try to scare them straight a little bit mm -hmm. about um, the hazards of social media. Well, there's great. There can be really great things about it, too, but you yep. also have to use it in the right way. We mm -hmm. spend more time talking about the hazards. Yeah. You, yeah there's a little <laughs> bit of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm curious how you have seen that change the way that players behave. Yeah. Uh, I'm amazed that they have time to do as much <laughs> of it. And uh, that they're always thinking about it, uh, right? Uh, so I have seen some players like Torrey Smith comes to mind from the day he got here. He was keyed in social media-wise. Yeah. And he's used it uh, well. Yeah. Uh, we've had some other guys not so much. You know, they've actually been like really wide open. Like I really thought Brendan I am Nadejo was like wide open as far as social media went. Almost like to a point where it was like unsafe. <laughs> uh, I mean, Just it's like too revealing yourself. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's worked out for him. Uh, but yeah, I think he knew what he was doing. He, he had a level of comfort for it. Uh, but yeah, so I kind of look at our rookies trying to get a beat on exactly how they're using it. Uh, if they know what they're doing, if they have some kind of idea, some game plan. I think what Ed Reed said yesterday was, have a goal, write it down. If you don't write it down, uh, it's not a goal. Uh, and so just uh, that short social media meeting alone will be hugely beneficial. I'm sure they've already given you some fodder for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're collecting stuff that. right now. We're looking through the archives. <laughs> yeah. Can you talk a little bit about the, the Ed Reed meeting with the rookies? And, yeah. uh, you know, you recruited Ed, you got him up yeah, here yeah. for the first time in a while. Yeah. Just how did it go and what was the reaction? Ed's expensive. It took a little uh, negotiating <laughs> <laughs> to get him to come up. But uh, he is a legend. The Ravens would not be the Ravens without guys like Ed Reed. I mean, he uh, had to teach himself how to be a pro, how to do it with a high level of excellence. He didn't come in with that. So them hearing that, uh, I think, made a huge difference uh, to them. Uh, he can say some stuff that, I mean, I've said the same stuff to him. They weren't reacting like, <laughs> like that to me when I said it. But it comes it. from the go. Right. <laughs> but Eric walks in the door and like he's like E.F. Hutton. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, uh, great guy, great message. Uh, I was amazed at how much he remembered from his rookie year. Mm. So he was definitely uh, relevant. And uh, yeah, I thought uh, watching them, they were locked in. They took more notes when he was up there than any presenter I've had this year. So we might have to spend a little more money and bring him back. <laughs> <laughs> Ed talked a lot about money, too. Because mm. he was the guy that was nice. He, he was yeah. the guy that, that handled it well, I believe. He did, but he, he handled it well because he got hurt early. Mm. So once you make a mistake early, you get hurt, you pay for it. Uh, that does help. He played long enough to recover. Uh, but I think that little bit of treasured advice from Ed Reed uh, goes a long way. That's interesting. Yeah. Can you say what's one of the dumbest questions that a rookie has ever asked you? <laughs> I know this is this might take time to mm -hmm. really go through the Rolodex in your brain to remember this right. one, but yeah. any pop to mind? Oh, yeah. Oh, all right. Oh, sorry. It didn't take a while. Yeah. Go ahead. I had a rookie on the first day ask me after our first day's meeting here, are we going to be here every day? <laughs> <laughs> 
and my response was, son, every day. <laughs> every day, son. <laughs> this NFL thing is a little bit different than you've been yes. used to. <laughs> that is yeah. great. That is great. Because like yeah. you said, it's, it's not like a lot of these guys, maybe they haven't had jobs before at all. Like, they didn't have a summer lifeguarding job. They didn't yeah. have anything. Mm -hmm. This is their first job. Mm -hmm. That's pretty incredible. And they didn't even have internships. Right. Because uh, none of our guys, our guys are playing mostly D1 ball. They got no time between workouts to do internships. Yeah. Right. So they didn't even have like practice experience right. in a workplace environment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and lastly, just what are your impressions of this year's rookie class mm -hmm. and, and the yeah. maturity level and whatnot? Yeah, yeah. I like I really like this uh this year's rookie class. They got um unlike some other rookie classes where there's like a standout uh verbal uh living outside of himself, outgoing, uh extrovert. Uh, these guys are all kind of uh, kind of medium in between introvert and extrovert. Mm -hmm. The seemingly quiet guys, uh, they'll speak up when something needs to be said, and the seemingly uh, you know uh, bigger personalities aren't so big that they can't uh, uh, melt into the group. Right, they don't overshadow and, other people. Yeah, yeah. So you would never notice our top three picks in the room. Right. Interesting. Yeah, which and is really good. But this is also the biggest rookie class I've had at 30. Right. Yeah, this, I think the biggest class I've had before these guys was 24. Interesting. So, yeah, this is a huge class. Uh, but, yeah, they all kind of uh, are like the same person. They got a lot of oneness going on. That's and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask you about Lamar. Just mm -hmm. What is he like as a kid for the listeners to get an idea of him? Yeah, he's the total country kid. <laughs> I mean, as simple as they come doesn't need for much, you know. Uh, he's certainly a leader. He's got quarterback all over him. He's got all those characteristics. However, he's the kind of, uh, so when I played with John Elway, he was uh, uh, sitting in the back of the bus in the back of the plane, kind of joking with the linemen and like defensive players. Huh. No quarterback I've ever played with was like that. Mm -hmm. That's Lamar Jackson. He's more comfortable in the back of the bus, in the middle of the row, uh, sitting next to a couple defensive backs, <laughs> uh, right? And uh, just kind of uh, a little chatter here, a little question there. But yeah, just being one of the guys. He's a one of the guys quarterback. Guys like playing for guys like that. Interesting. I mean, just to go off of that a little bit, when you is that something you said that's rare? I mean, mm -hmm. and you as a player like that when you saw that from John Elway. Obviously, mm -hmm. he's, a, he's a Hall of Fame talent, mm -hmm. but you liked that personality. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he made himself fit in. He wanted to be looked at as with you, not uh, separate from you because my job responsibilities are much different, and they are. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, he was intentional about uh, like fitting in, uh, making sure lines of communication were open, and he had the heartbeat of his offense. You know what I mean? So uh, I kind of like the posture that Lamar has because it's uh, in alignment with that very thing. Interesting. Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. now this is our last question. <laughs> Just what, if you could say the one piece of advice, like one line or whatever, that is the most important thing that you want to convey to not only rookies, but just NFL players. Because uh -huh. we've talked a lot about rookies, but you handle all yeah. the vets too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's one piece of advice that you give most often to an NFL player? Probably number one is you make the league. You make uh, the league? You make the league. There is okay. no NFL without NFL players. Mm. And so I really want players to get an idea that uh, uh, 
so goes the players, so goes the league. And it's been like that ever since I was a rookie. And so it was uh, paramount <laughs> that as a young player uh, that I grow. Uh, and uh, become a leader on my team, in my huddle, in my offense, uh, a rep leader doing like labor, strife times, uh, somebody that knew policy, because there was no player engagement, so players had to take responsibility for the policies that they needed to know and the ones that they wanted. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and uh, so I like to look at players like, as they own the league, the league will be better off. As they take responsibility, for the things that happen and the things that are said, uh, they really end up being player engagement guys for each other. Right. The league will be better off. And from my perspective, the league has grown pretty good because of some young 20-something-year-olds since I've been in the league. Yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. Cool. Well, Harry Swain, thank you so much. Oh, really appreciate, appreciate you guys. Thanks for joining us, Harry. Nice. My Always pleasure. Good talk. Yeah. Yes. Well, thanks to Harry. Really good stuff from him in the interview. Uh, you know, I'm glad that the rookies trust us. We found that. That was the most out. important piece of the interview. Yes, <laughs> exactly. But, uh, you know, Harry's got a tough job, man. I mean, a lot of players, we walk by his office and players are in there talking with him about uh, any variety of issues. I mean, the number of different things that players can have that are issues that they come and want to talk to Harry about is wide. And, it and, is a wide range. And he's got to be somebody that's trusted, and he is. You yeah. know, that's you, players have to be able to trust him to bring personal issues, uh, challenging questions, and uh, he definitely, you know, wears that, wears that hat proudly. Yes, exactly. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening to our episode of The Lounge. I will be out next week. Maybe, this is, maybe that's when I get Ozzy, when you're gone. Maybe you're the whole No, <laughs> no. That's <laughs> not happening. I'm going to have to talk to Ozzy and let him know, hey, Mink's out of the building next week. This is the week to do it. Knock it out now. I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks for listening. And uh, I guess Garrett will be back. Me with, and Ozzy. No, no, no. Sans Ozzy. We'll be next week. <laughs>